This is part two on 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 to 12. And let me just bring us up to speed in the context. You remember that he was helping the Thessalonians understand that the day of the Lord, that day, which he had just referred to, will not come unless the rebellion comes first, that's number one, and the man of lawlessness is revealed. And from verse 4 down through verse 8, he dealt with the coming of the man of lawlessness until Jesus had come and destroyed him. Then he turns back to the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan and starts to describe the situation leading up to the coming of the lawless one. And I think what he's doing is explaining this now. So he's just given account of this in verses 4 through 8, and now he's unpacking. What did I mean when I said there's this great rebellion, this great uh, falling away, this great apostasy, this great mystery of lawlessness that's building until it comes to a crescendo of lawlessness and then the actual appearance of a person embodying lawlessness. That's what I think he's doing here. And so this is so relevant because this is what we'd have to watch out for at any day, which is already at work. The lawlessness is already at work. And so to understand the dynamics of how Satan works now and at the end is really important. So, Father, I ask that as we look again at these verses, you would teach us how to spot false teaching, deception, false power of signs and wonders, unrighteousness, and you'd guard our hearts from delighting in sin. This is the great problem we have to fight against. Help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The coming of the lawless one, the man of lawlessness, is according to the working of Satan. So part of the mystery of lawlessness is that Satan is deeply involved behind what is happening in the world as lawlessness increases. According to the working of Satan, with all power and with signs and wonders in the service of a lie and with all deception of unrighteousness for those who are perishing because they did not welcome the love of the truth that they might be saved. And on account of this, God sends them a working of delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that they may be condemned, who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Let's focus for a moment on this lie. The aim of Satan is always, as from the beginning, to get us to believe a lie. And these, this power, these signs, these wonders are of the lie. I translated it in the service of a lie, because I think that's what wonders of a lie, signs of a lie, power of the lie mean. They're all in the service to get us believe the lie. Now, I would ask you to consider, you can turn it off here and think about this if you want to, what would you say the lie is if you just based it on this unit right here? What's the lie? And I think there are at least four ways to say the lie. If you just read through here and say, what does he want us to believe that's not true? Here's my answer to that question. First, he wants us to believe that there's no law. 
no law in the universe. I don't have to be subject to anybody's law. Second, he wants us to believe that the lawless one is God. I do have to go back a few verses just to get that. Remember, the lawless one exalts himself against every so-called God and object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Oh, Satan really wants us to believe Jesus is not God. The man of lawlessness is God. That will be the great temptation of the anti-Christ, the substitute Christ. So that's the main theological lie that is threatening the church at that time, namely, the man of lawlessness is God, not Christ. The third lie he wants us to believe is that truth is not worth loving. They did not welcome the love of the truth. We often think of truth as something to be known or believed. And Paul is going to talk about it. We'll do this next time, especially the love of the truth is what has died. This lie here is not just that truth is false, but that truth is worthless. It doesn't have anything in it to commend our affections. And the fourth lie, I would say, is that unrighteousness, this deception of unrighteousness, unrighteousness is more pleasurable than the way of truth. Look at this. In order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So the lie is, oh, it is so much more pleasurable than mere submission to the truth or walking in the paths of the truth. The lie is that the commands of God are not worth more than silver or gold. So those are my four descriptions of the lie. They all do boil down to one thing, don't they? There's a lie about what is pleasurable, a lie about what is valuable, a lie about what is theologically true, a lie about what is moral in the universe, whether there's any law or not. Satan is the arch liar in almost every way you can imagine. So we are to be on guard because all these signs, all these wonders, all this power will make lots of things look plausible in the service of that lie. Then look at the word all here. Lawless one comes in accord with the working of Satan with all power and all deception. What does all mean in those two phrases? Well, it's certainly not all the power in the universe because he's going to get killed. Satan's going to get thrown into the lake of fire. The man of lawlessness is going to be destroyed. They don't have all power in the sense of all the power that exists. They don't have God's power. So what does all mean? Paul uses this a lot. He talks about all grace and all power and all deception. Two suggestions. All the power at his disposal or all manner of deception, all manner of power. He's pulling out all the stops of varieties of ways to deceive people. Whichever it is, or both of those, the point is, you better not play with this fire. You will get burned 
if you think you can stand against the allness of the devil. I mean, the allness of God is bigger, way bigger, but the allness of the devil is bigger than you and me. And so we don't play fast and loose with it. The devil is going to pull out all the stops of power, all the stops of deception in the last day in order to accomplish what? Look at how Jesus says it in Matthew 24. Many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness is increased, lawlessness in Jesus and in Paul is increased. The love of many, love, will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. False Christ, false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. That's how much power will be pulled out. If Satan pulls out all the stops of power and all the stops of exception, only one thing's going to save us. We are elect, and God won't let it happen. One more thing to look at. What does that phrase right there mean? What is that of unrighteousness? With all deception of unrighteousness. It's an interesting phrase. Translated sometimes, wicked deception. But it seems odd to me to call deception wicked. It's obviously wicked. That's what deception is. Wicked. <laughs> you don't need to call it deception like there's a good deception. No, this is literally the genitive in Greek is of unrighteousness. Deception of unrighteousness. And here's my suggestion. Since that word is the same here, I think we get a clue. In order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So, what's the deception of unrighteousness? It's the deception that unrighteousness is going to make you happier, it's going to bring greater pleasure. In fact, when you think about it, deception in Paul's understanding is most deeply an issue of the affections, not most deeply an issue of the mind being tricked, but rather the valuing function of our hearts being tricked. Look at Ephesians 4. Put off your old self, Christians, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through desires of deceit. Desires of deceit. What does that mean? It means our desires have been deceived so that we love unrighteousness. We have pleasure in unrighteousness. A person that loves unrighteousness is in a state of affectional deception. So deception of unrighteousness here is that unrighteousness by the power of Satan is made to feel better. And that convinces the mind that it is better. And so our gut starts functioning to justify in our minds, oh, this must be a good way. The man of lawlessness and unrighteousness must be then the Christ. Now, next time we get at this issue of love of the truth. That's what we've been talking about here. 
deep issues, not just of the mind, but of the capacities of the human heart to take pleasure, either in truth, by loving it, or in unrighteousness. Next time.